This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Now, on to the show. everybody and welcome to untethered.tv i am your host and founder rob woodbridge this is the place you come to to get the answers that you need in order to be able to bring this great thing called mobile pervasive computing internet of things whatever you want to call it into your business make sure that you're doing it properly where i bring on some guests and we have long conversations long 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 conversations around how they're doing it today my guest live from new york city where you're going to hear some activity there obviously windows are open it's a beautiful day michael is it a beautiful day as beautiful as it can be for New York City. <laughs> I am with uh, Michael Provenzano. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Rob? Very good. Very good. You didn't cringe when I said your name. Did I get it close? Was no, close you're perfect. Okay. Second time's the charm. <laughs> yeah. That, I'll be honest with you, I edited that. I edited my first one out. I'm just letting you guys know that every once in a while, I can see that I've done something wrong, and that usually has something to do with a name. So, uh, Michael, thank you so much. Um, so, you, uh, what do you do at Vistar Media? I'm the CEO and co-founder yeah. of the company about two and a half years ago. Um, what do you guys do? This, uh, sure, yeah. So we help brands uh, understand consumer physical world behavior. So the way we do that is by leveraging different sets of geotemporal data. So in our case right now, we use a lot of wireless carrier data to understand the patterns of consumers in the physical world. And then we're able to activate the insights that we gather from that data to reach them on both mobile and out of home. So in English, you, you gather people's behavior and you display the right things at the right time to convince them to buy stuff? That's it. I, you're, you should be our new seller. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's you know, I, I like to distill it down. I'm a simple guy. So, um, and, and I, I got to ask, like, so how long have you guys been doing this company? When did you start the company? Sure. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, two and a half years ago. And what was it like two and a half years ago to start a company doing this stuff? Oh, it was uh, interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> we started in an out-of-home space purely, so... Out of home is an industry that has uh, a few dead bodies in the water. Um, a lot of people have tried to aggregate the medium in different ways and uh, slice it and dice it to different um, areas of money in the agency. And uh, we went in full force and said we're going to do it in a different way. And uh, enough people listened, I think, so far. <laughs> Was it hard? Was it hard to convince people back then to, to get on board? still hard today. Um, it depends on what side you're on as well. I think in the beginning bringing uh, media owners supply side on board was very difficult because you're promising them money that you, know, you don't have in the back of your pocket quite yet. So bringing on the supply side, uh, a lot of deep relationships, a lot of trust um, with some of the C-level guys at the media owners and bringing them on. They took a big risk with us but you know now we're all running in a pretty good spot where we generate a nice piece of revenue for them over the years. You know, is it how how do you guys? It just seems to me like I, I do this uh, weekly podcast with uh, Steve Khan from the Location Based Marketing Association, and we talk about companies and data and targeting and positioning and and all of the, and location. Obviously, it's the core of of the podcast. 
But I, I confide in Asif very often. I say, like, Asif, it, it just all rolls together for me. Some, like, all the announcements, like, we seem to be in that, in that bubble announcement where everybody's talking about the same language, doing the same things. How do you guys differentiate from, from that? How do you separate yourself from this herd that has emerged? Yeah, I think it talks a lot about um, the way you look at the data that you're interested in describing audiences, particularly for location. Um, so for us, we came from uh, the very opposite side of the spectrum, you know, starting in out of home, yes. coming from screens that are one to many and not trackable at all. I, I don't know who's in front of my screens. I don't know who is, uh, I don't know if there's even someone there, right? Mm -hmm. the, the default out of home case uh, two years ago. And on the other side, you have digital people coming from a cookie oriented approach, right? Desktop approach where I literally know exactly the behavior of this person, I know where they're going, I know what's going on. So it's funny when you look up kind of the progression, you have the digital guy starting with a cookie, people say let's do cookies on mobile, that doesn't really work, let's find <laughs> an ID, okay which ID do we use? Finally we settled on some device IDs and now we're looking at some statistical IDs to compare them across devices. Whereas Vistar comes from a little bit different angle where we come from that area where nothing was very trackable and we said, what, is, what are data sets that can help us describe space and time? So for me, my audience is heavily about what is the affinity or the probability of a certain type of behavior in a certain area in time. So and in this area of Manhattan over these four blocks, is there a high propensity for someone who uh, you know, gets coffee at Starbucks every morning between 3 and 6 p.m.? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that we focus on from our end versus, the, I think, the one-to-one -one approach that people are coming in from the digital side. So, uh, yeah, because when we were reviewing you, we did some, we did some, we had a conversation around these things, like you know, the inference that happens. So you're looking for for patterns, like do you, you know, does this person drop this person off, and it's a, they know that it's a preschool or something like that. So that you're assuming, or do they go to you know Toys R Us or Babies R Us? So you're assuming sure. the fact that they are parents maybe new, new, new parents. Um, you know, so talk about that, the behavioral stuff that you guys amass. That's really where the core is for you guys, isn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we get um, essentially raw geotemporal data. So that looks like an ID, a lap long, and a timestamp, mm -hmm. uh, large spreadsheets of that information, and these terabytes of this data. Um, the data provider we work with, AirSage, um, they get about 15 billion data points. Uh, per day on consumers, and that's from two of the largest wireless carriers in the U.S. And so that's very passive data. That's every text, every call, every data usage on the phone, anything that hits the cell phone towers. And so it's very constant. Whereas you might be looking at a lot of the location companies in the space focusing on mobile bid request data. So um, essentially, we don't walk all day around town staring at our phones and saying, like, some do, <laughs> perhaps. And then, and of course, then seeing ads on those phones as well. So um, I think the behavior that I'm looking at is a very Here's New York, by the way. There is 100% New York. That's what I love about the city. I'm going to mute you for one second. Yeah. What is going on in Gotham? Are those fire trucks for him? Will he be able to answer our question? Tune in right after we hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you in part by ThinkNear. Here's Lauren Hilberg, president and GM of ThinkNear by Telnav, to remind us what they do. ThinkNear is a location-based advertising network. We provide our clients and customers a great opportunity to get their advertising directly to the individuals 
people are most likely to act on it. Part of the beauty of what Thinkneer does is to help use location to find your audience and then put the right message in front of them at the right time, at the right place. I know what you're asking, will this work for me? Brett Cohn, VP of Marketing at Thinkneer has that covered. Every mobile campaign has the ability to leverage location to do a better job of reaching your audience. Thinkneer worked with a large CPG company that has a health-focused cereal brand to help pinpoint their audience by city and then by neighborhood. Brett again on how that was set up. People who might be visiting Tahoe to ski in some of our ads in the, in the Northern California area. Southern California, we talked about um, King Can King's Canyon and other outdoor uh, adventure areas near that locality. And what you start to see is you're hitting a, a specific neighborhood that fits your audience, you're contextualizing the ad creative to make it more relevant to the user, and you start to see higher click rates as well as higher secondary action rates because the ad's more relevant in hitting their audience. Think near, keeping you fit one ad at a time. And now, Back to Michael Provenzano of Vistar Media. He was okay, by the way. So the data set um, is very different in that it's passive consumer behavior information. And to your point, we take that and we define behaviors that we're looking for. So on the, on the fly for that brand. So a McDonald's example, right? A McDonald's has a new coffee offering they're trying to make, let's say. And they want to reach a certain type of consumer. Well, we help them define what that audience is. So we might say, hey, how about people who go to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts between 6 and 10 a.m. more than three times a week? We've defined that custom behavior for them. And we can look at this large set of data and ask the question of that data. Say, explain to me where else those consumers go through the day. Where do they have high propensities of being throughout the rest of their day? And I want to reach that person the right place, right time, messaging-wise across both mediums. So are you trying to convince somebody to walk into a McDonald's, or are you trying to convince somebody to, are you just trying to get into their mind that says, hey, McDonald's, 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 McDonald's? Sure. Well, and I mean, it really depends on the strategy of the, the brand and the agency, right? What are they trying to do creative-wise? Um, sometimes the messaging is very much drive to this place, trying to get them to this place, and you know maybe the KPI then is looking at uh, maybe an A-B test of foot traffic information, right, of knowing who actually visited the store. Um, the prior month and then the months that we are running a campaign. And other times, yes, it might be just an awareness study and maybe we'll follow up measurement with uh, working with a place or a USAMP on panel-based surveys. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me because, um, you know, people are directive and, and we as, as humans are, we have habits, right? So uh, it, it seems like while I'm standing inside of a location like a Dunkin' Donuts or a competitor or a coffee place, for example, and, um, it, it's very difficult to get me to leave. It's very difficult to get me to change my behavior um, but if you if you constantly hit me with with things like 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 a coffee advertisement or like a free coffee from McDonald's at the right time because you know that I do that sure. every day, um, then it starts to pop into my mind, right? And and uh, but that's just me. I'm like, you know, uh, no, I think it's a great point. I I kind of talk about this a good amount where I think there's. Um, a lot of people forget in the digital space uh, the value of frequency. Yes, frequency is a concept that is really hard. I think for a lot of digital people to understand. Um, I think they start noticing it when it comes to retargeting when they forget to put caps on frequency. <laughs> That's about the only time when I think a lot of digital people think about frequency. But when you look at traditional mediums, let's take radio for example. I remember, you know, I used to work I from Houston, Texas. I used to work in Houston, and every day, I mean, listen to the same classic rock station way at home, and I would hear the same ads. I knew what concerts were coming around the corner. I knew what was going on in the city, and there's something about that frequency that you really don't get in many other mediums. 
But in the case of you leveraging data for this behavioral targeting in the physical world across these mediums, you do win that as an advertiser. You win that ability to come back and have a medium and a strategy that can uh, apply that frequency that hopefully will change the consumer's mind to come to your place. Yeah, how this is so different from traditional everything that we've done before because you know usually wouldn't you go into a say McDonald's and say I mean who's your target customer and they would say uh, you know what um, young young mothers between the ages of uh, you know twenty three and twenty eight sure. uh, with children that are two and a half years old and median income is this and then right. go and find that person for me but you haven't even talked about psychographics and demographics all you've talked about is that their habit is to go into the store and out of the store every single day or three times a week, and that is now our customer. Well, we can change it around, though. Let's yeah. take this as an example. So um, let's say yeah, like a Metro PCS, right? Uh, it's actually that, them as an advertiser, they're looking for uh, high Hispanic skewing demographics. Okay. And so uh, a lot of their buys are in, um, based on the census data, where... Um, Hispanic areas are, right? So they have these zip codes that skew high, uh, even they have census tracts, census block level data um, of where they want to target. So they do heavy geo-targeting that, in that region. But with this data, you can make a very clear argument for where do people who live here spend the rest of the day? What is their commute patterns? Gotcha. What billboards are they going by? Where, what areas of town are they working in? And in most cases, you see something very different. We, we don't, everyone doesn't work from home. Most people do not. So you see this commute path and then of course you see this other work area so there's this huge temporal component to even demographic and psychographic behavior and what the, what that movement is so you can instead of just using a McDonald's or a Starbucks right as a point of interest to start as you know to describe your behavior use census blocks use things that have already been defined for your demographics and then attach the in our case the carrier data component to understand where that user moves throughout the rest of the day it just—it it seems so. Uh, you know, I, this is this is highly targeted, right? Like, you know, if you live in this neighborhood, like you just said, and uh, your goal is that if they trigger a a something that says that they're in this store, we and they go to that store maybe once or twice in a month or once or twice in a week, we know that that is our target customer for client number X over here, right? So you've got all of these moving parts. Uh, it, it seems so perfect. Doesn't it? Like it seems so perfect. Where, whereas once that company would spend a lot of money, maybe a prohibitive amount of money, doing radio, maybe doing television, trying to get into the living room, into the dashboard of the car, uh, and and uh, you know certainly onto the websites that they were looking at, and drive them in, and they would spend all this money and and in order to be able to convert a customer. But now uh, they know that listen, there you can target very effectively. This is a long way of asking. Has it been very difficult for you to be able to convince people to give you the same amount of money as it would have cost before uh, to be able to do this with a more targeted approach? Um, if anything, the rates of the inventory go up, um, particularly in out-of-home. I think mobile's interesting where I think a lot of location players in mobile are charging quite the premium for location-based mobile impressions. And that's a combination of the quality of the lat-longs on exchanges are sometimes questionable and there's a lot of value in the technology that can, might go around um, filtering out the bad that long data um, on those bid requests. So I think uh, that inventory goes, goes up in price just because of demand going up for that shortage of impressions. And out of home though, um, this is the first time anyone has really had great data for that inventory. So you can almost think of uh, a lot of the out of home as undervalued assets. Right. Um, 
I mean, when you break down the CPMs of a large out-of-home billboard, digital billboard, CPM is actually lower than what most location-based mobile providers are charging for a little banner ad. You can go to any. Sorry about this. Uh, morning. Okay. It's, 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 part, it's part of the. Uh, it's part of the yeah, charm. Part of the charm. Charm, but um, you could go to any major brand and say, "Hey, if you had the opportunity to be on this enormous billboard in front of all these people for one impression versus being on a little banner out on a phone, yet the cost is the same, and today it's even." To, you know, it's half the cost. Would you do it? And I think every major brand would say, "Yes, I would love to be have my my uh, my creative on such a large asset and high impactful asset." So, I think now that you're bringing data, we're we're trying to bring data into this space and give you a reason, intelligence on why that asset is valuable. It does flip everything around quite a bit. You know, think about uh, you know during the QR code um, craze. Sure. Where, where everybody had these, uh, you know, they, these mocked-up photos of Times Square, uh, all the billboards, just all QR codes and no creative. Um, so that's probably around the same time you were you were starting this company and and, and trying to, to trying to grow it. Uh, mm-hmm. What is that like when you see stuff like that? Do you, do you just chuckle or do you just you hope that it passes by like it has? Because uh, there was real talk about uh, you know this is the death of the uh, of out of home. Right. right? There's, there's a lot of distractions. You know, um, When we got into the industry particularly, there were so many, or what I saw as problems, right? Coming from a digital background where everything's you know, programmatic and real-time and everything, yeah. you look at a medium that is tra- more traditional, like out of home, and you say, wow, like, there's so, much th- so many things to fix. And it doesn't mean they really need to be fixed. Um, you know, that's a perspe- perception early on, but... Um, <sighs> It's hard to say. I don't know the best way. Best way to describe it um, when you when you're looking at all these issues, finding the right one to tackle is very hard. Right. Um, and the biggest thing that I'd say I focus on, I'm a product guy, and one thing you have to know when running product is priorities. So just like in product, you have to know which thing to build first and which order you want to build it in. We literally had to decide on which problems to solve in this company in which order. If you look at when we looked at out of home, oh, okay, there's no ad serving. Oh no, there's no exchange for monetization of unsold inventory. Oh no, there's no creative standards. Oh no, there's no, you know, way to measure impressions one to one. There's no way to measure attribution on the back end. You can go through this whole list, and it's like, well, you can sit there and get depressed about it, or you can start <laughs> tackling them. So we started tackling them in the order that we thought was most suitable, and that order was building pipes so that we could purchase the medium in a way that is efficient. Um, and shows transparency and attribution. And then the second part was heavily around um, fueling those pipes, fueling those pipes with data that gave a reason to purchase the medium. Because from a sales standpoint, you know, when we started, we had great reach across all the out-of-home screens once we got them on board. But the biggest question to every brand and digital buyer that we work with was, why should I buy that screen? Why should I buy that screen or any out-of-home versus the screen in your pocket or the screen on my desktop? And Phenomenal question. It's a 130-year-old question. So, uh, you know, the data side of our business uh, got us into helping solve that problem. But you talk about uh, programmatic, right? And, and you know, it seemed like the world was automated when it came to um, to advertising, out of home, 
print, all of those kind of things. And then, and then kind of mobile and this digital revolution kind of knocks it on its ass, so to speak. Um, but now I start to hear about programmatic everywhere and I start to hear about automation everywhere. And I said, so are we, are we slipping back into that just with a new digital layer, a new mobile layer? Uh, and is that good or is that bad? Um, I think the word programmatic gets, as you probably know, gets overused a lot. And so yeah. the actual definition of it, I'm, I won't even go into, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, um, I don't think anyone can disagree that automation is valuable for our time on this earth <laughs> and the cut down on manual behavior. You know, we have a reason why we have calculators, right? When you're in school, instead of writing out huge multiplication tables, you use a calculator to do something, right? So similarly, if there are manual tasks and um, just monotonous tasks, that should be solved with some form of automation. Whether you call that programmatic, wonderful. If not, great. Um, I think the other part of that kind of gets blended into programmatic is the uh, is the data side of it. You know, in, in the case of most online display, it's cookie based, right? It's you know passing those cookies along the pipes and being able to make decisions based on what is that cookie telling me about this user at this time. Um, but in order to make those decisions, you do need some programmatic component <laughs> to uh, do the equation. So um, so yeah, it's, it's twofold. It's one about automation and efficiency, uh, which saves cost to media owners, it saves time and, and human resources to buyers. Uh, then there's that other layer of it enables the enrichment of media, which allows for increased rates to suppliers, um, and it supplies a much better story to a brand and an advertiser. Uh, you know, I want to spend about 10 minutes, our last 10 minutes, talking about the things that are coming, the impact of what it is that you're doing and what, what you hope the impact is, and, and then really what this means to businesses and consumers alike. So why don't we start with your customers are the advertisers, right? The businesses that are trying to drive people into their business. So what do you think for them? What, what's the impact on their business for, for, uh, for what you guys are doing? Yep, so I think there's a few things. Um, particularly if we look maybe even at the agency level first, since that's where a lot of the activity happens. Um, I think you're seeing a growth in a location-focused strategy at the agency level. There are a lot of vendors, obviously, in the location space, and they've started realizing that um, the data that's available about the physical world is becoming more readily available and can actually be acted upon. And again, why that's important when we really think about money, I always take a step back and think about money at the highest level. $286 billion is spent in e-commerce, online sales. $4.5 trillion is spent offline. So... <laughs> Where are you going to focus? Yeah, yeah. If, if you're going to have a strategy as an agency in deciding on how to spend money, you know that might be a good one to to put some time <laughs> focus into. I know, Michael. You don't want to tell people how to do their job, but uh, hey, here's no, a good. Here's, <laughs> this is clear. Some some. I think the CMOs at most uh, brands would would agree, um, and I think most CMOs at brands aren't, you know, uh, looking at the clicks on mobile devices as a proxy to determine if their business is doing well. They're looking at something quite different. Right. So yeah. um, how we can use the data and um, the capabilities uh, of location across these mediums, hopefully we'll get that get them closer to being able to measure the KPIs they actually care about, which, you know, if you're a QSR, that's in-store sales and really foot traffic, right? You don't go to... Uh, Burger King to go check out what's on the menu. You you pretty much know what's on the menu. You're there. To you're buy. not browsing. You're not browsing. Yeah, you're not really browsing. So, and then that obviously changes based on um, the different verticals. But at the end of the day, everyone does have some very simple, straightforward KPIs. And I think 
Um, one of the issues with digital is that we so many layers of abstraction above what the actual brand is trying to achieve um, from a P&L standpoint, right? Um, so I think for us, now that we're getting closer to measuring the physical world where most of these transactions are happening, closer to um, tying the loop on the things they care about, I think for them it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call. It's like okay, all this tech, all this jargon of programmatic and this and that at the end of the day like if I can get back to them with some attribution around sales and the things that the words they understand not <laughs> made up acronyms that I'm bringing to them I think they're gonna I think the the, the media landscape is gonna change a little bit I think their attitudes toward um, particularly out of home are gonna change quite a bit I think out of home unfortunately um, is a bit of a vanity buy and a lot of times you have people buying it just for the pure vanity and like oh it's kind of big you see it and it's like yeah that's <laughs> how crazy is that but you know it's funny because i, I did a lot of work with uh, a company uh, up here in canada that uh, that is the largest um uh newspaper company in sure. canada so it's a big media company and uh i went and interviewed a number of their clients uh, across the country across this great country called canada and and uh and i went to their clients who had uh, who hesitated about going into digital who loved print and I said, so like, you know, there's got to be a reason here is that, you know, because print converts and we're looking at some, you know, conversion numbers that were that were comparable to newspaper numbers. And he's like, you know, so I would go into a jeweler, jeweler in the middle of a small town. And I said, like, why aren't you doing digital? And he'd say, he'd give me all these reasons. And then ultimately what it came down to was that he never saw his ad on the website. Right. Right. So like, I, I can understand that that vanity piece. Uh, is so very important, but but I guess it works against out of home. But for the newspapers, it like a lot of these small and medium sized businesses, that's what they do. They they turn to page A three and they see their ad and they're like, yeah, I'm a business. You know, it's it's a funny story. I have a similar one where my my father actually started. He ran a small ad agency in Houston, Texas, and he'd always joke. He's like, I'm going to buy this billboard. And I'm like, well, what do you buy billboards for? He's like, because my clients call me and say I saw my face on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> and they love it, you know. And there's something about that. So that that vanity has always existed, but that's not enough reason at scale to buy a medium of advertising. And at the end of the day, you have to have reasons to buy those outside of, hey, this is cool that my face is on this. Well, it's a, it's a start, yeah. You know, what I, I I and I joke about this, but it, like it, it literally that thing was what what would sell them on an ad, and and um, and trying to sell them on digital would be very difficult. And I suppose that if you go into a digital a company that is used to selling digital and go and say, listen, you're going to do some out of home. Uh, they would look at you like you're crazy. Like that stuff is dead. I'm not going to put a billboard up. Why would I put a billboard up? Right. That's a part of our education in time though. I mean, um, all of our sales efforts are toward digital agencies. So, um, the reason why we do that is, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but the media owners that we work with, um, you know, the majority of their revenue, 90, 95% comes from the out of home buckets of money at the agency. If you're looking at an agency of TV, radio, out of home, digital dollars all broken up and the majority of their money is coming from, uh, out of home. And so the reason they got on our platform in the first place on the out of home side was because we were providing an incremental ad revenue stream for them by going to digital agencies and explaining to them why these screens fit into uh, a mobile location based strategy. I love it. Well, so now the consumers, from the consumer standpoint, from the folks that are getting hit with these ads, getting yeah. followed, getting terrorized by by the data that you're collecting on them, sure. and then and lo and behold, getting an ad 
at the on the on the screen in front of them with a message that resonates that will maybe coerce them to go and do something that they were going to go and do anyways. Like that's so right. bad, right? It's terrible. It's like you two giving away a free album to one of the greatest <laughs> bands ever. It's like how shame on you, shame on you, you two. The same thing happens here, though, is that they're, the consumers, from a privacy standpoint, they get concerned. Are you following me? And I'm, I'm just here to just cover this is that no. I know your data is anonymous, but hey, consumers, you're being followed. I'm yeah. just telling you, like everything Absolutely. you do that engages with your phone is now in the ether. And the, the right companies are pulling that data anonymously yeah. and putting something in front of you that makes sense. But I mean, from a consumer standpoint, are, are there worries? And how does this change their behaviors going forward? Absolutely. Um, if we do our jobs right, I think it will be something that is recognized. Um, I always like to use the example of uh, display retargeting. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably one of the few tactics that someone ever tells you about in online because they're like, hey, I was at that uh, J. Crew site shopping and they keep hitting me with their ads across the rest of the internet. You recognize it. You, mm -hmm. you, it's a part of your behavior at that point. You, you see what's happening. And for the consumer to recognize what's happening in ad tech, that's kind of an interesting thing because most of the things that we do every day, are, my, my parents don't even know what I do, right? It's like, I, you know, I can't explain, walk them through everything. But when I look at something like that, it's, it's very tangible. The, the consumer gets it, but it's also showing that it's be, being made aware, that those capabilities are aware, and that tactic of reaching that consumer has proven to be very, very useful, particularly retargeting online. So I think if people start getting a similar sense, even in my case, across mobile and out of home, I think that is kind of interesting where someone can say, it's so crazy. Like I was, you know, I go to um, Starbucks every day and I get this coffee and I just happen to get all of these, you know, the small um, local roaster keeps hitting me on my way to work every day. Like, why is that? And I think people will start picking up like, oh, that's very similar to what's happening to me in the online space where people are using this anonymized data and are able to understand just motion in space. Yeah, but the difference between what happens on these devices and what happens during our day and what happens online, right? So, um, you know, you could go to J. Crew and uh, I could be shopping for my son, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and then I could keep getting bombarded by by something uh, by Jaker. It's the same thing. The problem with Amazon services, yeah. right? When I when I, I do a search for Pokemon books, now I get all Pokemon books, but yeah. that's not for me. You don't understand the context of who I am. Yeah. So so I, I think of uh, of the web as as simplistic in that way, right? So maybe I get followed across a bunch of sites, but they don't give me this whole picture. But with mobile. My goodness, I'm carrying this device and it knows that I go into Starbucks four times. It knows that I go to the Shell station around the corner. It knows that I go to this restaurant. It, it knows where I work. It knows where I stand. It knows what bus I take. And it paints this. And then you, you marry that, as you said, to bigger data, which is neighborhood data. It knows where I live. It knows what car I drive. It knows, you know, all of these things. And then you layer payments into there as well. And now it knows where I buy everything. And so it, 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 we, we know this. It paints a full picture of who I am. And then, then the right companies are distilling all that data into presenting something that makes sense to me at that moment. So I look at web as, you know, like old advertising because it doesn't have the full picture of me versus mobile. Is that, is that how you guys, you guys must look at it the same way? Very similar. I mean, when you think about your example with Amazon, right? I, the same problem happens to me. I bought like batteries one time. They, they want me to, they want to keep selling as many batteries as possible. It's like, hey, did you think, think, hey, you, you bought a AAA. Now, hey, there's some nine volts over here that you <laughs> yeah. haven't bought, right? Yeah. And I, I think because how transactional um, yeah. online is, it, it becomes 
that level of granularity to a fault where it's like, oh, you've been here once? Oh, you're definitely interested in buying this. You didn't come here by accident or just was curious one time. Like, I'm going to keep attacking you. Yeah. Whereas our methodologies with our data, I mean, I'm looking usually at data over months of time, one month of time, and I'm looking for patterns, statistics, right? I'm looking, thinking statistics and looking at patterns of behavior over time. And that's a much different way of doing things. Now, that approach could not have been done in a very efficient way about 10 years ago. I mean, a lot of the modern computing that's out today, the ability to leverage, you know, Amazon Web Services and fire up a, a cluster of MapReduce computers that can fire through, I mean, literally terabytes of data in minutes, that's not something that you could pull out of your pocket, you know, as a startup with 18 people and a few mil raised, right? That capability is today. That's what we do today. And so that's one of the most fascinating parts about it is there are these huge data sets sitting out there that are, that tell you a lot about consumers. But the things that we want to extract from that data are things that are about um, the habitual nature of humans and the, the ability to understand if I am an advertiser, I need to get into this person's daily routine. And so understanding that daily routine is a key part of reaching them in the right place in the right time. So do you, do you think that at some point this concern, this trepidation from the consumers disappears, if there is still any out there, and then it disappears and then the service that you're providing ends up looking like help, looking like a, a, a service to the consumer. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it's turning this this nasty thing, which is advertising in my face all the time and, and, right. and all that into, hey, this was really helpful. Yeah. Look, these systems, right, are in place. Uh, there are pipes and there's decision-making engines that are looking at data to make the right decision. And in this case, the decision is advertising because it makes money. It does not mean that the systems can't be used for content and for reaching the right consumer at the right time to display the right messages about um, local events and things that are going on that from a community standpoint. Like, there's no reason why that cannot be applied in the same way. It was funny, we actually had a similar conversation with someone about, um, they have a lot of in-store screens. And they're like, you know, we don't want any third-party advertising. I was like, well, an ad server is just a decision-making, a rules engine. So, I mean, if your rules were just what type of people are here at this time and you wanted to take the data and make decisions on your own content, why wouldn't we be able to do that just as well? So, yeah. um, you know, it just happens to be advertising today because that feeds the Internet typically and, and a lot of other businesses. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, we haven't moved very far. We've just transferred it from one medium to another, right? Uh, so when you when you look at this landscape of things that are going on, so I look at every screen now as as, a, as an opportunity, right? My television screen, my computer monitor, and when I sit sure. at home, uh, to you know bus terminals, to uh, in mall, in store, as you said, um, you you name it. And there's some very creative things that have happened as a result of uh, you know uh, of this liberalize, I, I guess the liberation of the screen, right? Um, so I, I, where how, where does this where does this go? Like, you know. I look at what you're doing as a much more effective way than putting an ad in a newspaper or putting an ad on a website because uh, you know you're collecting more data and you're being smarter with the data. Uh, what does the future look like for, for you guys as you as you plow through this? Uh, not distant future. I'm not talking flying cars, um, but I'm talking over the next 18 months. Like, what what is this? How does this how does this shape in the next 18 months? Yeah, um, I think a few key things will be happening. I mean, 
one of our biggest focuses today is around measure, measurement and attribution. You know, more case studies improving for different verticals of advertisers, how we um, across both screens are able to prove to them that by buying these mediums together, uh, we are increasing whatever KPI they're, they're trying to look for. Um, so that's the first. The measurement's probably one of the, the biggest things that we have to focus on day to day. Um, what that does to the industry at, at a higher level on the supply side, um, particularly for out of home, where I obviously have a quite a large allegiance to, um, that raises the boat quite a bit for them. I mean, it incre rate increases rates, it increases the value of the inventory, and it really will make things pretty interesting for a lot of the uh, traditional sellers and out of home um, in a positive way. In that, the inventory that they were selling with without data, or with very little data, very static data, now they have the opportunity to sell in a more premium way. They can sell against this same wireless carrier data just like my team sells. It's going to change quite a bit in the way of understanding the value of um, those assets. And just like in online, if you look at ESPN.com, they have a large direct sales force and they always will. And those endemic brands will always come in there and those, you know, those premium deals have to be done. They also have an entire you know, audience extension strategy where they're selling the current there's, there are people who go to their website and where else those consumers go. There's no reason why people who don't own large format media in outdoor or even place-based or any of the industries that I deal with, they can't say, why can't, uh, sure I have my endemic audience in this mall or I have this you know, spectacular sign um, on the ramp going into the Lincoln Tunnel, right? I have these, these assets. But now you have another dimension of selling it, and you have an entirely new way to monetize that asset. So if anything, um, to your point of more screens, uh, one of the reasons why out-of-home is still split, about um, it's a $7.5 billion industry, $2 billion is digitized. Um, I think you're going to see an increase in digital because um, there's reason to increase into more digital. You have more opportunities to show the right people at the right time. So... They're able to leverage this data. They're going to be able to increase the value of a single asset. Um, and in out of home's case, uh, you know, based on Lady Bird Johnson's law, you actually can't put up more billboards. So, um, <laughs> in the US. so for them, uh, digitizing their assets is is very important. It's crucial. So you see that. I mean, I, I you see that everywhere where you know the. Um the uh, traditional non-digitized screens or non-digitized services are, are, are giving way to the digitized because obviously they need, because they can flip that, they can turn that, they can change the messaging during the day in different parts of the day. And um, and especially things like Subway, instead of putting, you know, standard um, screens up or, or uh, billboards up in Subways, you put screens in there and, and the message should change in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And, uh, and it just allows you to monetize that even more, right? Absolutely. I always joke, if I was the CEO of, a clear channel, right? I would, I would have a big room in my office with a bunch of screens, and uh, it'd be graphs of money over time um, of each billboard, and I would be able to say, as the day shifts, how does the rate of this board change? Oh. And it should absolutely change in real time based on traffic data, what people are doing, where how fast the cars are moving, the types of people are in those cars. I would. There's so much data to monetize that inventory at such a great scale, and uh, we have a, a bit of a ways to go. But so the way that you do it right now is that it's it's a flat fee. Is that how you do this? Is that like I, that's a very interesting idea, right? So you're, you're creating creating ultimately the stock exchange for out of home, right? Where right. you could say 
you you could have uh, you're doing bids and you're doing uh, you're doing offers and and you could you could be able to bring that in to to uh, and do it in real time and you can that can be done pro programmatically right so uh, technology like uh, man that, see that's very interesting to me um, why aren't they doing that <laughs> good question right right <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself the question all the time. Um, you know, it's very different than the world they live in and that they've operated their business on. And these are huge businesses, yeah. public companies that make a lot of money. And it's fine to um, apply something incremental to a revenue stream. It's very hard to say, let's take a chance with all this money we're already making today. So uh, it takes time to get to that point. But Let's blow it up, man. Michael, we'll just blow it right up. We'll just start yeah. at zero, right? Uh, oh, yeah. That's... I think that that's the the challenge, right? It, but at some point, you know, the tops of those those billboards start to erode, and things start to crumble, and and businesses start to crumble, and then it's the new upstarts, the new companies, the guys who think like you do, that come in there and say, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you in five years, Michael, and you're gonna be that guy in the middle of this, of, of that room full of screens, nah. you know, owning that entire exchange." And I, you know, because that that's a fascinating way. That's a fascinating approach. And I don't think it will crumble. I think it, what will happen is. If we can do our job, which is show incremental, right? If I'm bringing in, you know, if there's a $20 million media owner, let's say, they're making $20 million a year, I'm bringing in maybe a million a year of their business. I'm bringing that in on a smaller amount of impressions. I'm at a higher rate than what they're selling today. It gives reason to why they should be thinking about how they internally are selling that media and how they can monetize it at higher rates. Yeah. So long term, it's, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people... Um, jump right to that race the bottom article, right? They, you know, someone in, out of home or in an industry will read like some display article, like, oh my God, programmatic drop CPMs and we're all going to be out of business. It's a very different marketplace. Display advertising online is essentially infinite inventory, whereas if you're looking at the economics of out of home, you're talking about finite inventory, there's only a certain amount of time in the day. Um, if you can actually measure the um, type of audience at different times of day, you've got to pretty strong product to go to. I love that, Michael. That's a good way to end this. That is a, a future that I can get into because <laughs> I just, I love the idea of a fluid market for this kind of stuff, right? And and, uh, and the ability to to provide that is a is a killer service. Uh, you just got to get those big guys out of the way. Oh, well, you just got to burn, gotta, burn gotta, the billboards oh. down, man. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Got to get them on board, not away. Okay. <laughs> got to get them on board. That's the other way to look at it. Uh, this is creative destruction, not just total destruction. That's right. <laughs> uh, Michael, so uh, where should we send people who are more inter who are interested in finding a little bit more information about you guys? Yeah, just shoot me an email, michael at vistarmedia.com or check out our website, www.vistarmedia.com. Oh, very cool. Michael, I cannot thank you enough for your time and your insight. I really, really, really appreciate you spending some time here on Untether.tv. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Rob. appreciate the time. Wow, my pleasure. We've been speaking with uh, Michael Proven... You see, I did it again. Michael Provenzano, right? Um, we've been speaking with Michael Provenzano. Uh, he is uh, at Vistar Media. Go to vistarmedia.com. Please go and check them out. And for those of you who are still watching this this late into the episode, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for sticking around. We'll see you next time on Untether.tv.